Power the Future presents the Your Fracking Welcome podcast. Each week, Rick and Larry take you through the latest news you need to know to take on the eco-left. We're proud to stand with our country's energy workers who get the job done every day. And to all those greenies out there, we say, you're fracking welcome. Now, here's Rick and Larry. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good whatever time of the day you're listening. You have stumbled upon the Your Fracking Welcome podcast. Well, you probably didn't stumble across it. It's probably on your calendar to make sure that you tune in each and every week when Larry Behrens and I uh, get to talk about energy and talk about energy workers. Yep, that's right. I'm Rick Whitbeck, the State Director for Alaska for Power of the Future. And joining me, as always, Mr. Larry Behrens, extraordinaire, the Western States Director for the greatest organization uh, that has anything to do with energy in the entire world. Right, Larry? Absolutely. You know, and it's nice to see our friends on the, the other side of this debate uh, recognizing us in, in such ways. And, and, you know, I'll just tease this because we didn't plan to talk about it. But if you go to Media Matters, they went after our uh, boss and founder today. And it was uh, really interesting to see that uh, they are so concerned about the truth being uh, spread out among the people of the United States that uh, they have to come after us. If you don't know who Media Matters is, uh, look them up and enjoy the fact that if they're coming after you, it's actually a badge of honor because they are the most uh, probably out-of-country funded uh, anti-American pro-socialist groups out there. And so if they're coming after us, uh, we must do, be doing something right. But to that end, let's talk about uh, taking America in a more socialist direction. Speaking of... And I know, we, <laughs> I know we've talked about uh, Congresswoman Deborah Hadland. You and I have talked about her a lot here, Rick. She is current Congresswoman for New Mexico's 1st District. But more impactful to our listeners is she has been selected as Joe Biden to be the next Secretary of the Interior, which would give her um, oversight of massive amounts of American land, both in my state and in your state and in a lot of states, and could do a really, really harmful impact on the energy industry across oh, let me just say it correctly you know what they have blm there and she has come out to say that she is against fracking in all forms she has supported the green new deal and now she could potentially be in charge of the blm that's how impactful it could be so one of the things that we wanted to look at was how much does she really know about what energy producers do and how they provide the power that you know fuels our nation and fuels our economy and to that end i reached out to her office at the end of november and i asked you know, can you tell me when you have been to these states, states like Texas, states like North Dakota, states like Alaska, states like Louisiana, all these energy producing states. We'd like to know when was the last time she went there and actually talked with energy producers in these states that have significant BLM land. Well, I can tell you from our point of view, it has been crickets. I have emailed twice. I have called once. You don't get to talk to a person when you call DC anymore because they're all hiding behind COVID. And they say they'll super duper promise to get back to you. We have not heard a peep. But lo and behold, I got a little notice this week that I think everyone gets on the LinkedIn when someone has looked at their uh, LinkedIn profile. And sure enough, I had a visit from none other than Deborah Hadland's good friend. And when I say good friend, her actual employee, his name is Scott Forster. He is the district director for Congresswoman Deb Hadland. He went and checked out my LinkedIn profile. Uh, 
about the same time, I called to follow up to see if they were ever going to respond to us about what states she has been to. So it is something that I don't know if we can look forward to in a Biden administration or a potential Biden administration. But, you know, if your secretary of the interior doesn't feel the need to respond to you, but then will send employees to look into your personal social media, it's a huge problem. It is an absolute huge problem. And as I've told, uh, you know, stories that have ended up in the DC Examiner and so forth this week, as I've told them, how they do it, and Rick knows this well, they're not going to, they probably know they can't get a, can't get a full fracking ban through Congress. They know that that will be probably too problematic. So what they'll do is they would have like a Secretary Hadland just deny any new permits of anything right. that has to do with real energy production in Alaska or in New Mexico, and they'll just slow roll those to the degree that producers won't be able to move forward, but then it's not you know a ban on paper, but it is a de facto ban, and that is going to cost my state billions, it's going to cost your state billions, and it's going to cost tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of jobs across the United States, and so that is something that is going to be hugely impactful as we end 2020, but I know you have looked at what is really impactful to Alaska over the past year as well. You know, um, you're right, Larry, and, and Deb Holland having control or oversight over 62% of Alaska's massive amounts of land. And you have to realize that, you know, for those listeners out there uh, to, to the podcast who are like, yeah, we know Alaska is bigger. Well, it's actually about 2.3 times the size of Texas, or it's about uh, 62 times the size of Maryland, 60, I'm sorry, 42 times the size of Maryland, 62 times the size of um, New Jersey. Think about that. It's a massive amount of land, right? <clears throat> and 62% of the land is run or overseen by the Department of Interior. It's federally, you know, federal oversight land. Deb Holland, who probably has never been to my state, and but will control 62% of it, um, if if she uh, gets her secretary designee uh, approval by Congress and actually becomes secretary of the interior, it would be nice to know that she knows a little bit about Alaska. But what Power of the Future has been focusing on up here this week, and we've written about it on powerofthefuture.com, is kind of a top energy stories of 2020. Looking back at 2020 up here, what are the top five energy stories that I wrote about three of them, talked about five of them on the Power of the Future Energy Hour which plays every Tuesday night, and you can find those broadcasts on soundcloud.com. Just search for Power of the Future. But the top five stories, well, number five is the Biden presidency and what his um, energy policy could do to Alaska in, in 2021 and uh, you know through 2024, right? Um, so 20, the top story, number five, was the Biden win, and it's going to be a potential impact. Number four? We've talked about it on this podcast. <clears throat> I've written about it ad nauseum on Power of the Future. Is the record of decision debacle, the politi politicization and uh, and denial of the pebble permit, pebble mine up here in southwest Alaska. Those two didn't make the blogs. We just talked about it. The three that did is BP Alaska, BP British Petroleum, one of the largest oil companies in the world or energy companies, as they like to call themselves now, uh, pulled out of Alaska this year. And Hillcorp, uh, an independent, which is now a major independent up here in Alaska, one of the two largest groups, um, they finally closed on that deal here about two weeks ago, Larry. And so that is number story number three. 
it's it's a massive change in in uh, hands in jobs in um, opportunity and what it will what it will bring to Alaska is the technology to um, enhance Prudhoe Bay our largest oil field um, you know BP talked about we've done it for 50 years we'd like to do it for 50 more well Hillcorp believes that that number is um, short-sighted and that they can draw oil out of out of uh, BP for I mean out of uh, Prudhoe Bay for longer than BP, maybe 70 or 80 years more of a sustainable field. So that's awesome, and that's big news. Number two is just the COVID impact on energy jobs. Um, the State Department of Labor, between January 1st and um, November 30th, estimates that 3,000 energy jobs, 3,000, I'm sorry, oil and gas jobs, not to mention all of the various sundry jobs that are tied indirectly to the oil and gas industry, were lost in Alaska. On top of that, think about this. COVID gutted our cruise industry. COVID gutted um, our our transportation. It uh, Tourism, it, I it, bet. Yeah, I mean, tourism, exactly. The cruise industry, the flight industry, the, the trains and everything that people do once they get on land, um, the flight scene tours. 35,000 temporary jobs from the summer were impacted this year because of COVID. So I wrote about that. That actually should be up on the website here. Oh, sometime on uh, sometime in the early afternoon East Coast uh, on on Wednesday, and then tomorrow we're going to talk about it. Uh, the number one story is the Anwar opening. The opening of Anwar, the Arctic uh, National Wildlife Refuge's 1002 area, by far and away the biggest story up here in 2020. Yeah, as long as the Biden energy policy doesn't shutter Anwar down, like he has promised to do on day one. This is 60 to 70, 80 years worth of jobs. Hundreds, if not thousands of jobs at the outset. Um, Arctic Power, which is an organization that, that pushed for the opening of Anwar for decades up here, estimated that 57,000 jobs could be created by the 1002. 57,000. So we're talking about, you know, everybody from manufacturing jobs to, to actual oil and gas roustabouts to you know, you name it, 57,000 jobs associated with Anwar. That'll be up on the blog tomorrow, the last day of the year. Uh, you know, we look forward to, to more news in 2021 and continuing to advocate for opportunities to put people to work here in the Great Land. Um, as, we, as we turn the page on 2020 up here, Larry, all I got to say is, I know you've got another story, but uh, Happy New Year to all of our, our, uh, our listeners. Well, yeah, absolutely, and I'll be echoing that here in a second. But And if you're wondering, Rick, why I wasn't quite paying attention to the first part, because I was actually doing the math, it would be over five New Mexicos to make up one Alaska in terms <laughs> in terms of land. And you know what? To, to send a little love note to our Alaska friends at the end of the year, the states with the largest water area, Alaska by far states with the war largest water area in the United States. More than, and more coastline. More, more that's right. The next is the Michigan. And it would take more than two Michigans to make up uh, one Alaska. So it is just massive. And, you know, when you're here, I, I understand you guys are just rich in water up there. But here in the desert southwest, uh, water becomes something that, uh, you know, the saying in New Mexico goes, whiskey is for drinking, water's for fighting. And so they fight <laughs> over water a whole lot. And 
One of the places where water is now being fought is in our production industry. Our state land commissioner, who is obviously in control of state lands, it is a statewide elected office here in New Mexico, went out of her way this week to pull any water permits from any oil and natural gas production in New Mexico. She unilaterally decided we're not going to allow you to use water anymore. Out-of-state environmental groups cannot get enough of the love of this decision. They're saying, you know, what they're saying is we want water for people instead of oil. I guess energy workers no longer count as people to the eco-left. It's nice that they finally acknowledge it, uh, what they've always believed but never said. And so let's just be honest about what they are doing here. It is the effort to drive up cost. If they can drive up the cost of producing a barrel of oil, a few cents here, a few cents there, one Endangered Species Act here, another regulation there, and next thing you know, the cost of producing a barrel of oil becomes too cumbersome. And when the cost gets close, they know that they are putting producers out of business. It is a slow, slow effort to let oxygen out of the room because they think weeks, months, and years ahead about how they're going to undermine this industry. And so is it a massive hit? Well, to the producers who rely on that water, it absolutely is. But in terms of all the production in New Mexico, no, it's not a huge hit, but it is a few more ounces of air out of the room in New Mexico that makes it harder and harder for producers to find the room to breathe. And keep in mind, her own budget is over 40% dependent on oil and natural gas. And while we're on the subject, um, renewables contribute on state lands to New Mexico's revenue 0.01%. And that is the lowest number that they could actually put. I think they had to round up to get to that number. The people who fund renewables, put more money into political campaigns in New Mexico than they do into New Mexico's state budget coffers. It is really that simple. And so don't mean to leave on a downer note as we end 2020, but anytime we're ending 2020, I don't think that's a downer note at all. I think everyone is ready to to be done with it. Turn I know. <laughs> I know there's some prognostications for some uh, great energy prices in the future, in the near future. I hope they come to pass. But in the meantime, we just want to extend our heartfelt gratitude to those energy workers who are getting the job done, to our listeners and those you may not be directly in the energy field, but you're standing there fighting with us. We're grateful for you as well. Thank you for standing with us and and taking in our content and and you know watching what we do in 2020 we've got some exciting things planned for 2021 that we will talk about in the near future but until then rick happy new year to yourself and everyone in alaska for the record the new year will be i think what two hours earlier here and so i will uh, i'll call you from the future uh you know yeah, on, on midnight let you know how the how it turns out <laughs> feel free man let's uh Let's roll into 2021 with the same amount of, uh, of effort that our energy community puts out uh, on a daily basis, Larry. You know, I just want to, again, say, say Happy New Year to our listeners. Uh, Happy New Year to you and your family, to, uh, to the New Mexicans out there who are, who are working and doing God's work and, and you know, creating, uh, creating our future, powering our future. Perfect. Thanks so much, Rick. And to all the eco-left out there who are still showing us the love, we appreciate it. And you're fracking welcome. That's it for this episode of Your Fracking Welcome, brought to you by Power the Future. Check us out online at powerthefuture.com or on Twitter at PTF New Mexico and PTF Alaska. In the meantime, make sure you tell your favorite radical environmentalist, you're fracking welcome.